0: Brought to you by Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Trans Canada Brewing, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian
1: Credit Union, and Homefield. Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. About to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after a game. I would say you don't no reason to get too overly excited about it, but I do think there should be excitement, even though it's 1235 in the morning and a lot of you are rubbing your eyes as you're trying to make this work. Thank you, of course, to all the people who are staying up this late to make this happen, but I would suggest there's a lot of reason to be excited right now, and the reason you should be excited is, to me, this is the game that puts me over the edge and has me saying the Jets will make the playoffs. Undoubtedly, the Jets are in after this. And I'm going to tell you why. You take a look. Not only did the Calgary Calgary Flames lose tonight. and Yeah, I get it. The Nashville Predators, they won to keep pace with the Winnipeg Jets. But keeping pace isn't exactly what's happening. This is keeping pace with someone who's quite a bit ahead of you in the race and if you take a look the finish line is not far down the line here uh and that's where the Winnipeg Jets are headed to get over that finish line and get into the playoffs I know some people are a little iffy about this and a little worried about it here's why I would suggest you shouldn't be worried about it. The Calgary Flames, they're six points behind the Winnipeg Jets um, after this game. The National Predators, five points behind the Winnipeg Jets. But the big advantage that the Jets have in both these scenarios is they have far more regulation wins, and that's the tiebreaker. So in order for those teams to catch the Jets, even if they do catch them and tie them in the standings, which would be hard enough as it is, the way things are going, but if they catch them in the standings, the Jets are still going to win that tiebreaker. So that means that the Nashville Predators actually have to get six points up to pass the Jets. And the Calgary Flames need to get seven points up. They both need to end up a point ahead or either need to end up a point ahead to, to get ahead of the Winnipeg Jets and find a way to not get in the playoffs. And that's just it's it's not going to happen. Like I'm telling you right now, even if the Jets, let's say they go five and four, even if the Jets go four and five, that means that the Calgary Flames need to go seven, two, and one to get past the Winnipeg Jets. And th- th- that's, that's not a very likely situation. So wh- what you need in the case of both these teams is you need bo- uh, one of two things to happen. You need the Winnipeg Jets to play mediocre hockey to bad hockey, and you need either the National Predators or the Calgary Flames to absolutely shoot the lights out. That's what you need to have happen here in order for this not to play out. The Calgary Calgary Flames, they needed – yes, we know they've got one of the easiest stretches, apparently the easiest stretch of any team heading down towards the playoffs – but they needed in these last couple of games where they're getting their hard games out of the way, they needed to take one or a couple of those. This is a Calgary flames team that just can't do what it takes to put themselves over the top. Um, And Hey, I'll take a, taking a look at the Winnipeg jets. Here's one of the reasons, you know, they play the, the Arizona coyotes They beat them the other night in, in a stretch of hockey where the Calgary flames have lost to that team twice uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, the Jets come in here and they bury the Arizona, sorry, not Arizona, they bury the Anaheim Ducks. So those are two teams that they swept on the year, right? And those are teams that Calgary had issues with. And that's the difference. That's going to be the difference down the stretch here. Uh, it's going to get easier for the Calgary Flames, but we've seen that the Calgary Flames, not only have they been struggling with really good teams, they've been struggling with bad teams as well. Uh, so this is done. This is over. Breathe a sigh of relief. I know you guys aren't going to do it, you guys and gals out there. I know that you're too worried about it. Statistics tell us that the Winnipeg Jets are in. And the other part of this is the Jets are seemingly starting to come around. Now, it's hard to tell with the competition. Watch that Ducks team tonight. Um, two leaky, leaky goals uh, allowed in by the goaltender for tap-ins. Uh, You know, the... Uh, the Uh, Appleton goal is pretty much a carbon copy to a degree of the Kyle Connor goal. Uh, probably a puck that the goaltender should have had leaks through taps in at the side of the net and and give, you know, give, give the jets credit for that. They're going to the net and there's some breakdowns that we should do on those goals and tell you why they're good goals, regardless of whether or not, you know, they probably wouldn't have got past John Gibson, but the Winnipeg jets are the better team. In this game, by any metric you look at it, the Winnipeg Jets are the better team in this game. And this is one of those things where if you get enough traffic, if you get enough action going to the net, if you skate towards the net, if you follow the puck in, if you do enough for the right things, if you outshoot a team to the degree that they did, if you outpossess the puck, if you really don't give the Anaheim Ducks a lot of opportunities to score, you're gonna win the game. And this is Getting back to it, we haven't heard this for a while, but it's the Rick bonus blueprint. The idea that you don't allow the other team to have the puck. You just go get it back as quick as you can. That was his line way back in training camp. We want to carry the puck and when we lose it we want to go back and get it as quick as we can. For the majority of the first period and most definitely that second period, that's exactly what the Winnipeg just looked like. The second period is the Rick bonus blueprint. And maybe, just maybe, the Jets are starting to figure it out, that if you stay committed to that blueprint and aren't opening up and cheating for offense, just basically doing things the right way, that you should win games like that, even when the puck's not going in the net for you. And I'll say this, I don't think the puck is going in for the Winnipeg Jets right now. Like I said, the two goals that they get were a little bit leaky, but you get leaky goals. You get goals like that when you throw enough rubber at the other net. That's how those pucks go in. So that that's why it's a good game that the Jets played. Yes, they're not firing on all cylinders. They're not picking the corners. They're not getting in any of the pretty passing plays. It just doesn't seem to be working. They're not scoring on the break. Breakaways, although Nick Ehlers scored on a breakaway to open the scoring in the last game. But for the most part, Kyle Connor's money when he's on the breakaway, it's not really happening, although he's able to get the monkey off his back in that situation. But you do enough of the right things and it's going to worry out work itself out. But also if you grind, if you grind hard enough on the opposition and play the right way, you should put yourself in a situation to win every game. And so what happens on a night like tonight, well you get a goal by Mason Appleton and you get a game winner by Adam Lowry and this is it. This is the blueprint. It put you put yourself in a position no matter what's happening in the game to grind it down, score the right way, score off the right kind of, you know, volume and getting bodies to the net. Like they did in all three of those goals. You want to talk about scoring, you know, high-danger scoring chances? Well, when you are sitting right beside the net and you are redirecting the puck and or tapping it in from just a couple of feet out, those are the four sure goals, and you got to get the puck there to do that. And that's what the Winnipeg Jets did on this night. Um, give the Anaheim Ducks credit on a playing against a goaltender like Connor Hellebuck, in order to score, you are going to need to kind of take away his eyes. That's what they did on two of those goals. They showed enough fight to get back into that game, but the Winnipeg jets were clearly the better team on this night. So if I'm right, and the Winnipeg Jets are going to be making the playoffs. The battle now, and it was interesting because I asked this question of Rick Bonas, uh and the players. And they had said, you know, we're too focused on the playoffs to start worrying about what our playoff game looks like, right? Um, I, I think that they have to. I mean, there's an expectation. You, you can't play these games not expecting to get into the playoffs. So to round into playoff form. Uh, that's what you need to be doing. If they play that second period, that's what the Winnipeg Jets looked like at the beginning of the year. Just a suffocating defensive team that gave you nothing through the neutral zone. You could see it time and time again whenever the Anaheim Ducks got the puck, they were basically just turning it over. They were skating it up to the center line and turning the puck over if they got that far that's what's gonna give the Winnipeg jet success. Now, I'll say this, it's the Anaheim Ducks. Let's be honest, even when they were trying to make passes and had open uh, areas to make passes, they had you know they couldn't make passes uh they had pucks bouncing over their sticks, not because it's a bad night or anything like that, but just because they don't make crisp, clean passes. Uh, this is clearly a team that deserves to be where it is throughout the season. And the Winnipeg Jets are a team uh, that by all accounts should be a better team than this. So you can only play the team that's in front of you. We know that is, is this a perfect example that the Jets are rounded into form and ready to take things on in the playoffs? I don't think we can say that because we can't have a lot of faith in the, the resistance that a team like the Anaheim Ducks provides, but again, you can only play the team that's in front of you, and that team that they played tonight they played in a way where I thought it was an absolutely dominant fashion game connor hallibuck i don't I don't take anything away from his performance on this night; he didn't need to be special, and again, that's what the Winnipeg jets Rick bonus blueprint is supposed to look like one thing we'll definitely have to get into and talk about in this show is the response because this is what i need to believe if we want to backtrack a little bit and talk about what happened a couple days ago um or yesterday when rick bonus talked uh to the media and very openly basically suggested that he's you know, it's up to players to motivate themselves. And yet the coaches are having to find a way to do that, having to find a way to motivate these players. Um, That I thought was a serious indictment. And I had to be honest, this to me was not a direct upfront Rick bonus saying, we'll see what happens next game. We'll see how these guys respond. It wasn't a big challenge that was like, these guys got to bounce back in the next game. We got to see what they're made of. It wasn't that but I still think it was an extremely direct challenge in which he basically pulled the curtains back on the room and said, About a number of players on this team, they're not motivating themselves. So, as coaches, we're having to do that. You know, when he said to Scott Billick, Who, who motivates you when you get up in the morning? And Scott Billick said, Well, myself. And his response was, Exactly. I, I thought that that was a real pulling the curtains back and challenging his players and saying, Listen, I'm not hiding this anymore. You guys aren't doing what you're supposed to do, and I'm not hiding this anymore. Yeah, we'll keep trying to motivate you, but at some point, I need the world to see that you need to be men, and you need to stand up, and you need to take the reins, and you need to play your game and get behind your game and put your name on your game, and um, and I don't know if tonight is is the first step in a response, right? We didn't necessarily see the upper echelon players absolutely go out and take over the game. That didn't happen. It's a game in which the Jets depth stands up here. Uh, I will say this. There's a conversation to be had. I know Kenny would love to have that conversation because I think he took offense to me suggesting Adam Lowry should be put on the fourth line back when I was in Florida. Um, and so he's taking this as retribution. I know that for a fact. You should have seen his response when we were at uh, Transcanner Brewing Company for the party and he scored that goal. But this is I'll say this. Throughout the season, you know how I feel about Josh Morrissey. I still believe he's this team's MVP. He's got a letter on his sweater. Adam Lowry has three goals in his last four games. He's got a, uh, game tire that really pulled things out of the fire against the national predators. And then he scores the game winner on this night. He's got an A on his sweater and he's doing everything he can to earn it. Never mind the role he's played in the penalty kill for the entire season. Those are earned letters. Mark Shifley at the beginning of the year was putting goals on the board and that was his way of earning that letter. But at this stage with the call outs that have happened by his head coach, It's time for Mark Shifley to join those two letters and earn that letter on his sweater down the stretch here. Jets are making the playoffs. They need to start rounding their game into something that can win, and I don't think they can get there if they don't get Mark Shifley going. It is time for him to earn the letter on his sweater. That's my take on what I saw here tonight. Uh, We got to get the take from the man with the best music in the business who is live in the rink, checking it all out. Time to bring in Kenny. (laughs) What? <laughs> Ken, I'm not sure uh, how much of it you caught because you've uh, been working hard while I've been entertaining the folks here. Or some would say, someone <laughs> some would say, uh, "I'm God, What took so long is what they're saying. <laughs> uh, but Ken, uh, I would suggest the second period was the first true return that I've seen of the Rick Bonus Blueprint executed by the Winnipeg Jets, and I don't know how long, uh, but to me. I, that's what I saw. I'm not sure I saw it coming based on what had happened uh, with Rick Bonus's comments the days before. But um, take it for what it's worth. What did you take away from this game?
0: Yeah, it's interesting, Sean. Uh, everything that you said about the Ducks is 100% true. This is not a team that is in danger of challenging for a playoff spot anytime soon. And still, the Jets at times made life a little bit more difficult for themselves in this hockey game but at the same time I agree with you they, they didn't give up very much the one goal by Cam Fowler is a you know shot through four bodies that goes off the stick of Mark Shifley so you know that's not exactly a quality scoring chance and I don't know what you saw on the replay but was a good shot by Frank Vetrano, and yes, Derek Grant was standing in the vicinity, but I didn't think that he took away Hellebuck's eyes on the power play goal, or what did you think?
1: Uh, I mean, I think there was a distraction. It goes it's through Definitely the there Hellebuck. was a screen there, this yeah. It's one of those nights it's not, like, it's not Connor Hellebuck's Best night, but but there was there was a guy standing right in front of him, right. Like I think you have to be concerned, and sometimes even if you're a goaltender, and your concern has to be that there's a guy right there, and you don't want a puck to hit you and flop right down. You're trying to make a certain kind of save, or maybe redirect the puck out of of trouble. This is why it's important to get guys to the front of the net. So I don't know that he entirely stole his eyes away, but being in that spot does make life more difficult for a goaltender, and uh, I think it showed on that.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, In terms of the defensive structure Sean to me I agree with you this was the most similar game the Jets have played to the one against Pittsburgh I think quite frankly yes in that's late January already so that's not to say there weren't signs against Florida and Tampa but that's the best the Jets have played defensively now you can argue certainly that maybe the Ducks don't have as much offensive talent but they do have some talented individuals and the Jets kept Troy Terry and Trevor Zegras mostly mostly off the board uh, and they have to be given some credit for that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was a solid game for the Jets. It's not one that you plan the parade after, but given how they've been playing, I think this was an important step forward for this group. They were obviously challenged, as you mentioned, and, I mean, we'll dig into that a little bit as we move along with the show here. But I thought it was an important goal for Kyle Connor. Obviously, we know he's been struggling to generate as much as he normally does. Yes, there were some, some shots. Yes, there were some opportunities, but... Kyle Connor has looked more dangerous. He was more dangerous tonight, and that is something the Jets needed from him. Uh, I think it was important for Kyle, and it's in in typical Kyle fashion. He was very nonchalant uh, in terms of his reaction to being asked about maybe the level of relief. And Ivan brought up the theory that you know, over the course of his career, he doesn't doesn't have a lot of cold spells, but sometimes when those cold spells come, he gets one. He gets a bunch. And he just kind of looked at me and smiled and said, we'll see. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so he definitely was not interested in in digging in on that topic. But it was important for him to score. Kyle Connor's paid to score goals. He has 28 goals. Last year he had 47. His numbers are down dramatically. And that's a problem for the Jets when they're not scoring. So good on him for getting it figured out. And even Adam Lowry was saying the thing about Kyle. He's very talented. We know he's skilled. Sean, I, I love the fact that it was a dirty, greasy goal by going to the net. It wasn't a snipe show from Kyle Connor. It wasn't a deke the goalie's pants off and beat him on the backhand after seven moves in tight. He went to the hard areas. Pierre Luc Dubois took a good shot on the blocker side, and Kyle got to the got to the net. Uh, uh, the thing about the breakaway. uh, i'm also curious for what you saw i thought it was a very subtle play by cam fowler a very it's not often that the opposing defenseman reaches between the legs of the player and then uh, with only one hand on his stick he basically slashed him on the hands right as he was about to pull to the backhand i love the play i i'm not sure it's a legal play But it was subtle enough, and because it was with one hand and between the legs, I think it confused the referee, much like it confused Connor, He admitted he thought he had more time. He thought he had left Cam Fowler in the dust, and all of a sudden he had a stick on his hands, and it kind of disrupted his ability to go backhand shelf. So he was more involved right from the beginning. And when Kyle has his legs going, and that gets his stick going, and I thought that was incredibly important. You and I have talked about this a ton, Sean, and I asked Rick Bonus about it. Having Kyle Connor with Pierre Luc Dubois and Nino Niederreiter at this time was a stroke of brilliance because Kyle needs players that can give him that extra space, and time and space is what a sniper needs. So today, I saw a lot from Kyle Connor on that front. I thought Dubois was really getting his legs going, Sean. And to your earlier point about the challenges tossed out by Rick Bonus in terms of his candor, well, tonight was another one of those rare nights where Pierre-Luc Dubois had more ice time than Mark Scheifele and not just a little. It was almost three full minutes of additional ice time for number 80 compared to number 55. And that is an interesting development and something we will be monitoring during these final nine games.
1: No doubt, uh, Ken. You're looking sharp uh, as usual. I'm trying to hold it together here. Hey, listen. When I need the cheat... <laughs> good whalers hat, on, buddy. I yeah. just throw on the whalers hat. Uh, it's funny. I was out at the store the other day, and someone right off the bat was like, "Nice hat!" and then and then he was like, "Wait a minute. I know who you are." And then and then he said, "I should have known. Just a, a, not a normal person would have been wearing a whalers hat." And I was thinking to myself, "What does that mean? What, what's a normal person?" I I love the whalers <laughs> hat. I think. Uh, I, Listen, one of the reasons we do wear it, it's one of the reasons I didn't like a couple of years ago that the Carolina Hurricane brought the logo out uh, mm-hmm. because I like what like as journalists, we can't pick sides. Right. So to me, I bought this because it's a neutral logo. Right. Like I get to wear a hockey hat and have a neutral logo where it doesn't look like I'm pulling for anyone uh and i hope people realize i'm not pulling for the carolina hurricanes by wearing this hat i'm just going back to the old days i remember i went and i saw the hartford whalers and the montreal canadians play in the montreal forum back in 1986 and they would meet up in one of the my favorite my one of my favorite playoff rounds that i've ever seen in my life the 86 second round series that goes to seven games Check it out. Uh, you have to check out that series. It's a really good series. It's a hockey classic. No one talks about it. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, Kenny, though. And the like green Cooperalls,
0: buddy. The green Cooperalls. Like one of the all-time oh, yeah. great unis right there. Blaine, I think of Blaine Stoughton and guys like that were not rocking the green uh, with the green Cooperalls that showed up on our hockey card collection from the OPG years. So no th- that's that's what I think of in the Hartford Whalers, and I'll, I'll get out of the way to get the read back in there.
1: Well, I just got to say that the the Whalers hat, uh, it was like definitely one of the nicest hats I've ever uh, bought, but it pales in comparison to how we look when Frankie and the boys down at Vittorio Rossi take care of us. You look a lot more like a Vittorio man right now than I do, Ken, <laughs> uh, and that's a good thing. If you want to look like a Vittorio man, you know what to do. Head on down to Cordon Avenue. And go see Frankie and the boys there. Tell them Kenny and Rennie sent you. They will make you look like a million bucks. Ken, let's get into the lamp lighter. Right oh, sorry. Now.
0: sorry, I want one quick one here. Larry, sure. we appreciate you being here as usual. I did say I thought the Jets played pretty sound structurally. They gave up ten high danger chances in the game, including eight at five on five. Their expected goals against was under two. So the goals were a wrist shot through traffic from the point and a slapper from the top of the point on the power play. So, yes, I do think the Jets played pretty sound structurally. I did not say they played sound structurally against a highly uh, you know, high-octane offense, but that's not their problem. Can they do it against the LA Kings on Saturday? We'll see because they're going to generate a lot more than the Anaheim Ducks did. But that's my assessment. If you don't agree with the assessment, that's no problem. But... That is my assessment, and I am fairly confident, having seen it in person, uh, that the assessment is accurate.
1: Um, Ken, your lamp lighter, what do you got?
0: Oh, it's got to be Kyle's goal. I mean, it wasn't a... Kyle's. wasn't? No, nah, I mean, just for the importance for him. In terms of the importance in the game, it's Lowry's game winner generated by that line being excellent. But for the Jets to succeed down the stretch, they need Kyle Connor going. And the fact that Rick Bonus went out of his way to... You know, We've how many times we heard Rick Bonus and looked down at the bench and seen him absolutely flabbergasted by the fact that Jets don't shoot on two-on-ones. So it's twofold: a Kyle Connor needed the goal after going 11 without, and b he went to a hard area. So it wasn't the prettiest goal of the game, but in terms of its impact for the bigger picture, I like Kyle Connor's goal for the lamplighter. Obviously, honorable mention to Lowry, who collected two points tonight to get him to 200 in his NHL career. But I just think that in terms of him, I know the importance of the game winner, obviously. But for the Jets' top six to have been struggling the way that they have, they needed Kyle Connor going. And it helped uh, get him going in the game itself. So I am going to stick with Connor as the lamplighters. But I understand if some folks would prefer that it, is the Lowry goal because it was also a very important goal?
1: I can't, uh, I can't believe this. Actually, I'm blown away that you didn't go in the direction <laughs> of Adam Lowry. Uh, not only because of what I had said earlier on uh, in the show, but we've seen this from Kyle Connor earlier in the year where he got a goal. I think it was an empty netter, and we we're like, okay, he's going to break out of it now, and it didn't really happen. So, I mean, this is this is a goal where he's in the right spot at the right time, taps it in. It's you know, but he when went when to the spot. Went he doesn't always spot. go there. It's the right thing to do. But I mean, this to me, Adam Lowry and what he's been doing the last little while. Let's keep in mind that Adam Lowry was that guy who went on that ridiculous goal scoring uh, uh, dry spell for such 35 a long games. Time. Yeah. 35 games. But if you take a look at this here and today, just that I love the play. I love that he just gets to the front of the net and he's got a guy there. And it's exactly what you said the other day the problem with Dylan DeMello when he allowed that goal. The other night, you if you don't have the guy's stick, you don't have him. Period. And this was one of those times tonight where he just used his big body, put his stick in a spot. I don't even know that his stick moved until after the puck went off it and in. This is Brendan Dillon pulling the bank shot. But what I love about this is interesting. Yeah, three blue-paint three blue goals. Yeah, no, that's that's what I'd said uh, earlier on in my intro. It's like every single one of these goals, if you want to start putting goals in the net, maybe stop floating shots in from distance or trying to pass it from one side of the ice to the other side of the ice for a tap-in goal, and maybe let's just go hard to the net and capitalize on some loose pucks. Now, do I think if John Gibson is in net, two of those goals don't get scored? Damn right I do. I think that that was really bad, leaky goaltending that it went through. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't put the puck to the front of the net, you're not going to have much of an opportunity. And the Jets did that on that night. But so, because of that, because even Kyle Connor's goal is a goal that I think the goaltender would like to have back, that I think if their starting goaltender had been in, that doesn't end up happening. That goal that is scored by Adam Lowry happens, you know, 10 out of 10 times in that situation because you can't miss when you put your stick down and just invite the player to pass it off the stick. And what I like about this too, Ken, is it's, it's two, it's two guys who are, you know, at a time where their head coach is calling out motivation. These are two guys that don't ever really seem to need their coach motivating them, right? Like we don't ever see Adam Lowry taking a power or a penalty kill off, right? That just doesn't happen. He's getting, the job done he's fighting for every face off he's battling if someone needs to fight he's the guy who fights adam lowry was not the target of rick bonus talking about players needing he to motivate not. themselves and brendan Dillon isn't either and those are the two guys who come out and make sure that the winnipeg jets get past the anaheim Ducks, get these all important two points in this situation here so that's why i've got adam lowry yep. uh, as my lamplighter on the night but hey to each their own, and uh, because it's to each their own, we want to hear from you. What's your lamplighter of the night? Tell us, and uh, you are automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious A-pack of lamplighter amber ale from our friends at Transcanter Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Renny to gift you one, well, then head on down to TransCanter Brewing Company. Join them in their tap room at 11290 Keniston. Great beer, all kinds of beer, great pizza great appies and if you would like a taste of each of those things that i'm talking about well i know a great way for you to do it why don't you head on down this saturday come join us at the final kenny and rennie live event at Transcanor brewing company 25 bucks gets you all you can eat pizza all you can eat appies and your first drink for free it is a steal of a deal to head on down there uh if you'd like to take your phone's Uh, Take a a screenshot of this. It'll lead you right to where we need to go, Kenny. We'll follow it up with the link to get there. Uh, I haven't been able to get a beat on ticket sales the last little while, but I have a feeling there's some open. We would really like it if you could help us out and sell out this event and have us going four for four. Never mind the fact that you get to spend a little time watching hockey with a great group of people, and the food and drinks are stupendous, and you would never go to a place and get that kind of food uh for $25. Uh so come on. Come on down. Join us. Last one. This is the last call for it. So uh let's pack that room people. Give Absolutely. us a Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so there's
0: some unbelievable whalers polls in the chat room tonight, Sean, by I the know. way. Just some absolute good. fire. Some great fire in there. I love you love to see it. You love to see it.
1: No doubt, no doubt. Um, And I want to announce that Scott Hayward is the winner of the last Frosty Delicious 8-pack of Lamplighter uh, Amber Ale from our friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. You know what to do. You need to... Uh, direct message me at sn Sean Reynolds. Sorry, I'm just going to get this off the screen here. Direct message me right here at sn Sean Reynolds. I need your full name, which I assume is Scott Hayward, and I need an email so that I can send you your voucher for your frosty, delicious eight pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale. Brought to you by our friends from Transcanner Brewing Company. Thank, uh, or sorry, uh, congratulations, Scott. You are on the clock before Saturday. Um, Ken, let's get to the Johnson Group. Got you covered, player.
0: Yeah, I don't like to pick goals often, but because Mason Appleton has been struggling to generate a lot of offense, I think his goal is a great example of having the Jets covered, not not just because he went to the blue paint, but because he stuck with it. He was behind the goal line by the time the goal was scored. So I love the fact that Dylan DeMello jumped up in the play. Lowry gets him the puck. Mason Appleton with the great net drive down the wing. He's being taken out by the defender. And even though he's behind the net, he still got his stick in tight before his momentum carried him forward. The fact that he stuck with it there. and I I just I love the play of Appleton all night long. And quite frankly, Sean, I look to Murata Tesh to my right, in the warm up before the game started, and I said, There's been great effort by Mason Appleton, but he's the kind of guy that needs to get going here offensively to help the Jets get to another level because some of their big guns are struggling to find the back of the net. So I thought, for all of those reasons, to see a guy like Mason Appleton get reward for his effort, uh, I'm choosing him as the we've got you covered play of the game for the net drive in particular. And the fact he was on the ice for, you know, a lot of the game trying to protect the lead there. So we know that things got a little dicey for the Jets at times when Nemesnikov rings the rings the bell Late with the empty net, yeah. and some yeah. people wonder wow. oh boy, is that going to be a Patrick Stefan moment where the Ducks come back the other way and all of a sudden the Jets are lamenting the loss of one or two points? Instead, because the Jets were able to lock it down with a lot of the time they had Lowry, Dubois, and uh, Appleton at times out there, uh, I'm giving uh, a little bit of love to Mason Appleton on a night where the third line got an important two goals for the Jets.
1: Yeah, no doubt. That was huge. Uh, And a great poll for our Johnston Group got you covered play of the game brought to you by Johnston Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs. And you won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnston Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. Now, Ken, I wanted to have this conversation because it's one of the things we were texting about back and forth behind the scenes. Got to bring it into the show here. Sure. Um, Blake Wheeler and overpassing the puck. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I, I'm wondering about this because t- tonight was just another example of it just seems at like I joked to you that when he had that kind of semi breakaway there, I was surprised he didn't drop past that thing the way he'd been going. Now, it seemed like towards the end of the game, um, he, had, he he was starting to shoot the puck more. He had an opportunity where he shot the puck and just missed on a low shot just to the outside of the post. Uh, I just thought the idea of getting the puck to the front end of the net and let, letting people capitalize on it. I don't know if his coach reached him in this situation here. I don't know if Blake Wheeler is just at a stage where maybe he's not confident enough to move the puck to the net. I think it's 18 games since he scored a goal. Or I don't know if this is just Blake Wheeler has been for a time and not that long ago one of the best setup men, one of the best assist men, one of the best passers in the entire NHL. I, I don't know what your take is on this, but when I see this, I see a player that is, is kind of constantly doing the kind of things that the coach is trying to get the team away from. He wants them to play a more direct style like we talked about tonight. Get the puck to the net and you tap the puck in. Three tapping goals tonight are why they're, they win here tonight. This to me is the one thing that I think, it, like this stands to me as a symbolic holdout Of what rick bonus is trying to get his team to do get the puck to the front of the net go to the front of the net yourself and instead you've got blake wheeler for a large chunk of this game trying to you know pass through seams and get wide open net goals Uh, i know he's been successful at it in the in the past um it seemed to me to stand out like a sore thumb on a night like
0: tonight yeah i mean he did have one of the chances that he ripped wide but no, I mean there's been tons of times when, when Blake has, has looked for a, a pass when the shot has been there. Some of the times it's worked out very well, but of late it, it hasn't always worked out, I guess. Yeah, to me it's super interesting, Sean. That that line wasn't getting a ton of ice time. I think I have I've just had the sheet up here. Blake still finished with sixteen forty five That's a fairly low number for him. He only had six shifts in the third period. He was out uh, for one shift late in the game. 28-second shift with 117 to go. We know he's often the guy that's out there protecting the lead. So it just right now, and this is a good time to transition to the other subject, Mark Scheifele is not playing his best hockey right now. There's no no way around that. Uh, We... Have to. I wasn't in the room, Sean, so I'm going to have to lean on you here, but my interpretation of what Rick Bone has said about motivation was partly directed at Mark Shifley. I don't think there's any way to l- interpret that otherwise, unless, unless you tell me that I'm wrong. I'm not saying he's the only one, but to me, Mark Shifley has not responded well to the benching. Uh, his body language at times has been poor, and right now... I thought he went from being one of the Jets' best players on the Florida swing to someone who's not having much of a factor on the outcome of games at a time when his team absolutely needs to lean on Mark Shifley. Right now, he is not delivering on that front. And that that could be a big-time concern for the Winnipeg Jets here in the final nine games of regulation.
1: Well, I'll say this. most definitely I think that you can interpret from Rick Bonus's comments that Mark Shifley was most definitely one of the players he was talking about. I think yep. I think there there is no doubt about it that when he makes that comment, that that's one of the players that he's referring to in a situation like that. I would think, based on what we're seeing uh, from, like, again, on a night like tonight, I thought Blake Wheeler's game was a holdout. It was, no, I'm going to play this way, even though it seems to be not You know, the direction that you're trying to take this team in. Like you talked about it. You gave the lamplighter to Kyle Connor because Kyle Connor went and played Rick Bonus hockey. He went and not not only was he fast all night, but he's going and he's driving the net and getting to a dirty area and he capitalized on it. So to me, I take a look at that and I think Rick Bonus sees that situation. He's like, check, this guy's doing what I want him to do. Mason Appleton, check, he's doing what I want him to do. From the point, like the players from the point, uh, Josh Morrissey, I thought, had a really Busy game, and we got to get into how he makes that first goal happen. I don't know that a lot of people would have picked up on that, but Josh Morrissey had a sneaky good game also at a time where he was like jumping up and being really active. Same thing with Dylan DeMello, like these guys were showing me tonight that Rick Bonus has asked this is what I want, and those guys got it. And to me, the Blake Wheeler constantly trying to pass the puck and make something fancy happen is an example of him holding out and him saying, I'm going to play my kind of game and that's what I'm going to do. And th- and that's not the game that we talked about in past shows. He's had his success this year yeah. under the Rick Bonus system by going to the front of the net, creating havoc like like the Ducks did on their second goal. He's good at that. He's a big body. He's good at tipping the puck. He's very good at getting his hands on the puck or his stick on the puck after there's a rebound and putting it in the back of the net. And he's not playing that way right now. He's playing the way that we saw him play for years under Paul That is vintage snake charm. What we're seeing from Blake Wheeler tonight is vintage snake charmer. So to me, he stood out as an as a bit of an island, a holdout, saying, "No, I'm going to play this way." So I can't think that Rick Bonus is saying saying that to just Mark Shifley. I think he's another guy uh, in that comment. But let's be honest; it, it's it's more than just those two guys. Some of those guys came over to the right side tonight. Is that King Kong Bundy in the background there? I think someone's ripping up a, a turnbuckle with his teeth <laughs> in the background there. Yeah, it's
0: one of the uh, fired-up workers here. They are turning no the floor down
1: for another sport, it looks like. They're having a good time. But but <laughs> I, I to me, I, I think I agree with you on the Mark Shifley thing. I, Mark Shifley, you and I talked about it. Through a lot of the stretch of bad hockey that the Jets have played, Mark Shifley, I've thought earlier on, you know, if we're thinking back to the kind of the days where they, you know – uh they 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 beat the Edmonton Oilers, uh, where they lost to the Sharks the next night. Mark Scheifele looked to me like he was one of the more engaged Jets players and was playing things right. I, I'm not seeing that from him right now, uh, and yeah, I don't think he's handled this that well. And I I, I think Ken, we got to get to it. Uh, I think that what happened with Rick Bonus is. He challenged the Jets early. It was all truth serum earlier in the season. He got to that night where he basically came out and told us he liked a game that was absolutely a dog's breakfast. And we, we were like, are you lying? And the next day he was kind of like, yeah, I wasn't honest and upfront about that. I think that Rick Bonus ran into a place where he saw that challenging these guys and telling them to put on their big boy pants. But there are some people in the dressing room that said no. I'm not putting my big boy pants on. I'm leaving them crumpled up on the floor, and I'm going to crumple them up and throw them down on the floor in front of your face. I think he ran into that. So I think he soft-pedaled it for a while. So I think Rick Bonus came to the point where he said, you know what, talking to these guys and challenging them, it doesn't always work with these guys. It did at the beginning of the year. It's not working any anymore. So then he soft-pedaled it. And then I think that he saw that when he soft-pedaled it, that wasn't working either because he was catering to players and i think that that's what happened under the old regime that you they catered to players and tried to convince them please come around and and it worked for a while and then it just didn't work anymore so i think he went through that and then i think he got to the stage where he's just fed up holy smokes these guys in the back it's like cavemen central down there holy smoke are are do any of these guys have shirts on at this stage they, they all it's more it. George
0: the animal steel than King Kong Bundy by <laughs> they, the way
1: they, they, yeah sorry George the animal is the uh turnbuckle uh, ripper um but I think what happened with with uh Rick bonus at the end there by the time he came out with that is he just wasn't willing to hide it tonight I think he basically said like look They're not playing right. We talked about how confused he was, Ken, that his team wasn't playing the blueprint after he showed them that the blueprint didn't work. And he's tried a bunch of different ways to get them to play the blueprint to convince them to do it he played the night he played the the stern dad role and that didn't work and then he played the well we'll see who's going to show up next game and he challenged them and they didn't respond to that and then he soft pedaled them and he patted them on the back and he rubbed them on the back and then that didn't work and then i think he just landed on the idea that you know what there's some players on this team that just are refusing to play they're refusing to to Put forth their responsibilities to this team. And I think he just got to the point where he was done hiding the players. And so, short of going out and specifically pointing fingers and saying, this guy's not responding and I can't motivate him. And let's be honest, it's his job to motivate himself. And it's the same thing with this guy. And it's the same thing with this guy. I think what he did was he used the media as a tool in this last game and he removed the curtain to say, there's players on this team that are simply not playing. They are simply not doing, you know, putting forth their responsibilities. And I think it was smart because I do think that we saw some holdouts on the ice tonight of guys who were like, no, we're still not going to play your way. We're going to play it the way we want it to play. But I think there was enough guys on the ice that rose to the challenge here tonight that saw things were stripped away. We need to go play a specific style of game that what, may happen, what I think will happen going forward is that enough of these guys will play the game the right way that the guys are will, who aren't playing it the right way are going to find themselves on an island and then it will be the peer pressure from within that room that drags those guys back into the fight. It just should not be players wearing a letter who are getting dragged back into the fight yeah,
0: and quickly, I just want to dig into this a little bit more once again because I wasn't there, Sean, how. Uh... I was blown away when you sent me the text yesterday with the comments from Rick Bonus. Like this is this is in case of emergency break glass territory.
1: Oh is God, it not? Beyond. Beyond. Oh. This is this is I've pulled out the fire hose oh, and my I crank God. cranked the, the the water on and we're starting to <laughs> douse the flames.
0: Oh my. I I was absolutely it's mind boggling. The and there is no matter how much truth serum a person has, Sean, you don't play that card unless you feel it is absolutely necessary.
1: Yes, exactly. Be-
0: because the only it's hard to imagine it getting worse on that front. We've talked about this, Sean. Mark Shifley can be one of the most impactful players on this Jets team. His sixteen goals and twenty points in twenty eighteen were Earth-shattering. He set a record for goals in a series in that series against Nashville. He can be dominant. But right now, it's completely baffling. I-, I thought there were times his effort looked better today. And, Sean, this could be completely reading into it too much, but I don't think so. Mark Shifley prides himself on being one of, if not the first person on the ice every single day. Today, yeah. Sean, for the morning skate... I don't have the exact total, but he was about third or fourth last onto the ice. Now, it's entirely possible he had some kind of video session or something else going on. But you can be sure that if I'm noticing it, Sean, you know his teammates are noticing it. And when someone who prides himself on his work ethic is coming out later than normal, that that's something that people would notice, I think. And hey... Maybe Mark shakes it off and has a strong finish to the season and to the trip because they need him to. If they don't, if he if he is if he's not an impactful player for the Jets down the stretch, it's hard to imagine the Jets getting anything accomplished if they get into the playoffs. And Sean, I know what your theory about Calgary is completely right. Again, look at today. The Jets yeah. are now six points up on the Flames. It's over. It's they, over. They need to be seven. They have of, to.
1: They have to get seven, seven, yeah. making up seven points in nine games. Like this is, like I said, there, there's only one way this happens. Yeah, it, Nashville's oh, not
0: going away quite yet, right?
1: Not, not quite yet. And yes, they they got out a win. Again, yeah, it's still, against a playoff team. Still, they, uh, they, it's it's a t- the toughest schedule in the NHL down the stretch. Oh, yeah. that's what they need to overcome. The and Jets in should get order in order to do it. Yes, the the, the, the Jets are in. I'm not one bit worried about that. Um, But I couldn't agree with you more, Ken. Hey, let's uh, give a shout-out to our main man, Sweet Lou.
0: Yeah, for the folks, uh, if you folks have realty needs that you'd like to have met, uh, whether you're looking to buy, sell, whether you're looking to find out what the house in the street corner or the corner of your street is worth, or if you're curious about moving to another neighbourhood, contact Lou Ferlin at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. His number is 204-791-9971. Or at the office two oh four nine eight nine five thousand. His email is Lou at Louferlin.ca. That's L O U at L O U F U R L A N dot C A. And his website with all of his listings is ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community. And we appreciate his support on this program.
1: Absolutely love Sweet Lou. Uh, and hey, if you are going to go to Sweet Lou and you're going to look at buying a place, we got a place where you can go to get your mortgage uh, if you need to head on down to Cambrian Credit Union. Uh, I'll tell you this, both Ken and I, we are extremely proud uh, Cambrian members and we're excited today to talk about their cash back mortgage. Speaking of mortgages, Cambrian Credit Union's cash back mortgage. Is back. Get pre-approved for a Cambrian mortgage by May 31st and qualify for up to $3,500 cash back. Apply, book, and meet online by visiting cambrian.mb.ca/cashback for details. Subject to credit approval and conditions apply. And thank you so much for to Cambrian for being part of uh, of our show here. Um, Ken, I wanted to ask you this question to get back to the game. Uh, I, I don't know how. Ex- I I don't know how excited someone should be about this and the blueprint. I think that there's good signs. I think the jets are trending in the right direction, but I will say this. What we saw from the the ducks in the third period was life. And I'm trying to figure out if that life had something to do with the jets sagging. And I'm going to give you a little sneak preview. I don't. And something to do with the ducks finally showing up in the third period. Um, what did you think happened there? What do you attribute the Ducks actually looking like they were they had a potential to get back into that game To Was it the Ducks or was it the Jets? For me, Sean,
0: I think the penalties kind of opened the door because I didn't really think the Ducks were generating a whole lot 5-on-5, five five, but they started the third period with a power play, and then Cal Capobianco got that penalty for slashing Trevor Zegres, and then that kind of got him going a little bit. I don't think that the ducks really cranked it up a, a whole great deal and I don't think the Jets really sat back it was just kind of one of those things where they just hung around long enough and because the Jets weren't able to get that next goal to to gain a two goal advantage they kind of just generated a little bit from there so I don't have a great theory on it Sean I just think that this is this is how it's this is how it is for the Jets right now even when they have wide stretches of playing well, there's a tenseness with this group that even though sometimes they're playing very soundly, they just feel, I wouldn't say they're playing tentatively, but there's tension, right? There's tension surrounding this group. And if there's an error that's made, it feels like it's going in the back of the net for them right now. And they're not playing free and loose like a team like the Ducks is. So to me, that that's what I saw. I don't have a real strong feeling or theory about it. I do think it was interesting, Sean, and I don't mean to change the subject if you have more to add, but Kyle Capabianco had one shift in the third period, and he didn't get on the ice after the penalty. That was four minutes and, let me see here, 20 seconds maybe into the third. Kyle Cappabianco's last shift was at 431, where he took a penalty. He didn't play the rest of the period. The Jets went down to 5D, and... We, you know my feeling on this. And I asked Rick Bonus why capabianco over Sandberg. And I loved how Kyle Bianco has come off the bench and come in and played well and given the Jets a jolt whenever he's been used. I also think that the timing of pulling Sandberg out of the lineup is not optimal. Either time in the last stretch where he was coming out for Logan Stanley or now now for capabianco I thought he was playing some of his best hockey, and that's for a guy that the Jets need that stiffness. They could use his penalty-killing prowess. I understand that Capobianco is maybe a little bit more of a crisp exits, puck mover, and has a higher offensive ceiling, but the type of hockey the Jets are going to be playing down the stretch, and if they get into the playoffs, they need a guy like Dylan Sandberg in the lineup. Right? to play a heavier style, to go up against a team like the Kings that plays a heavy game. So I thought it would have been a good opportunity to get Sandberg back in the game. Instead, the Jets went with 5-D, and now they've got an afternoon game on Saturday. I have to imagine Sandberg will be back in. But I was just curious for your thoughts uh, on what Rick Bonus said to me in, the, in this morning in the scrum, and, and if you see Sandberg having the door open or... If the Jets stick with the, this was a winning lineup, so let's run them back, even though Capo Bianco only had the one shift in the third.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I think Capo Bianco is gone. And I, I think that this says a couple things. A, I, I don't overly fault Capo Capobianco no, no. for the penalty. Um, I mean, I think it's a good play by an offensive player yep. that gets into the wrong spot. Uh, but... <sighs> I mean, this this says a lot, right? Like, A, Bianco, his entire year has been like, you get to play until you mess up, and then see you later, right? Like, yeah. Bianco, I thought, has been a productive player, uh, and I've liked to see the last little while since he's been in the lineup, so I thought it was a smart move to put him in. This is probably the last we're going to see of him this season, right? And I think it's a little bit of a switch. Remember, earlier on in the season, when Rick Bonus would take guys out of the lineup, even though they'd played really good hockey, and the message behind it was essentially, listen, it's just your turn. And his idea was he didn't like taking players out when they'd failed because he wanted them to feel like they were, you know, achieving. The only reason they came out of the lineup is because they've got a lot of good guys, and so he wanted to take them out with confidence. I don't know how this affects Capo Bianco going forward. Uh, I think for the most part we've seen him. He's been pretty good. Uh, when he's come in, but th- this is at the stage of the season where I think either with Dylan Sandberg or Capo Bianco or Logan Stanley, if they come into the lineup and make a mistake, that's it. They're out, right, and move on to the next guy. I think that we're at that stage of the season where that's how they're going to handle the situation sucks to be that guy in that position because there's players who play above them that have been making, I mean, we've been talking about them that have been making error upon error upon error upon error time and time again for, for weeks, if not months now. Uh, But that's it. If you get to a certain lofty perch in the NHL, you are going to be comfortable and you're going to stay there. Those guys haven't got to the point where they're there. They haven't separated themselves enough from the pack. I mean, we've talked about this, Ken, uh, you can say what you want about who you like most out of uh, Stanley or Hanela or Sandberg or Capo Bianco. But none of those players have put themselves in the territory where it's like, you can't take that guy out of the lineup. Right. None of them have taken that step forward. Uh, and, and like, think about it. There's players like this who have been like this in this different stages of their career. Uh Schmidt was with the Washington Capitals for years and he was like a sixth defenseman and he was playing this role for years upon years and then Nate Schmidt gets uh, sent, uh, sent to the Vegas Golden Knights and then he's a revelation there, right? And ever since then, from that one year, he blew things open, he proved that he belonged, you couldn't take him out without a shadow of a doubt and now he's lived in the NHL for a lot of years because of that. That's a lot of times when you are a fringe player, what it takes. You just need to blow the doors off and say, I'm here, I've arrived, I'm not going back. And none of these three or four players, if you want to count Billy Hainel in there, have been able to do that. So this is their lot in life. Uh, I think it's uh, upsetting for Kyle Capo Bianco because, again, I think this may very well be the last time that we see him this season based on what happens going forward but uh them's the breaks that's where you are Kyle Kyle, Capobianco I'm pretty sure knew what he was doing when he signed and came to the Winnipeg Jets it's been you know his lot in life for a good chunk of his career I'll say this Ken we've talked about this before it would be an interesting career to be that guy who like basically was in the NHL for a number of years but kind of wasn't because they just mostly were the seventh man and there there's a lot of those guys in the game right like I think Nate Bolio has been that for a significant chunk. And yet here he is. He's still collecting an NHL paycheck. Hey, it would be strange to be We how like, this debate
0: has yeah, gone too.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I've been <laughs> surprising the, uh, for both. Well, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, if, if people want uh, the background to that, when I told Ken years ago that if Nate Bolio hadn't been uh, signed by the Winnipeg Jets, that he wouldn't be in the NHL anymore. Uh, and Hey, here he is. He's still going. So, um, Ken, you have one quick one. You Sorry,
0: I know Stonewall Dave's given me the business here. The reason why I'm pronouncing it as Kappa Bianco is because that's how he pronounced it during the intermission uh, when he and Mason Appleton visited the NHL office. So we've been using Kappa Bianco throughout the course of the year, and he, he didn't take the time to correct any of us folks in the media, but I did notice that's how he pronounced it himself, so... Uh, we can go with either one, but I'm not. I'm not just pulling something out of thin air here for the sake of saying it.
1: So this is to the point that I was making, John Chan, when you're talking about. He asks, "When will it be Pionk's turn to sit out?" Here's the deal. Pionk came in after the year that he was traded by Truba and had a breakout season with the Winnipeg Jets. And when you've shown a team or uh, you know the league itself that you can play to a certain level. And one of the big things behind it is being able to be consistent for a certain stretch of time. Well, then that's it. You earn yourself a lot of opportunities. Like there, like there's something to be said about a league in which you play your way into the league. And then it takes a long time to play your way out of the league. Now, we've talked about uh, Pionk on this show and, and some of the tough times he's had this year. But one of the things that you have to learn about players, and we've seen this before, like there's a lot of people who saw Brad Lambert play at the beginning of the year and were (laughs) like, that's it. He's ready for the NHL. Put him in, plug him in. Let's go. We're gone. People said the same thing about Mark Shifley when he came up as an 18 year old, played in the preseason and led the, what was it? Did he lead the preseason in scoring? Was it something stupid like that? but just was absolutely phenomenal. And then got in and played and got pushed around a little while. The hardest thing to do as a young player is to come in and be consistent, right? That's the tricky yep. part. And so the assumption is that you, as soon as you play three, four five games, you're playing great. And then all of a sudden your game tails off. Well, the assumption is that you can't be consistent. I really think that that has been the thing that's held Logan Stanley back. Like, remember, there were people for a while who were saying he was the next Zadino Chara coming into the league, and here he comes. But his problem time and time again is while he can look like he's an impact player and get into the kitchen of the other team, and even, you know, that shot when he gets on net provide a little bit of offensive flair, it disappears for long, long, long stretches of time, right? And so that's what we're looking at. Neil Pionk had a year. And he was like that with the Rangers, not quite the level he was the first year he was with the Jets. But he had a year where he looked fairly consistent for a long time. So you know it's in there. So there's that, that's going to buy you all kinds of time to make mistakes and do things wrong and have you know troubles like he had this year and to a degree last year as well. Uh, and that's going to buy you time because coaches are trying to get you back to something they've seen from you before. Whereas the new players, coaches are trying to get you to something. That they've never seen before and I think there's a difference in that uh, that's why a guy like Neil Pionk is not sitting the way that uh, that well, you would suggest he should be sitting
0: and not only not sitting he, he was on the ice for the last 40 some seconds today Morrissey and DeMello were out there for the first batch but for the last 106 Pionk was on the ice with Brendan Dillon and Rick Bonus was asked about that after the game and he said he deserved to be on the ice so actually I thought the Pionk was pretty steady today and I know folks are talking about his skating. I've been talking about Neil being injured almost all year. And even though Pionk himself denies it, I don't think there's any way you can look at his game and his skating and say that he's not hurt. He obviously is hurt to a degree. And I will not be surprised one bit if at the year-end availability, Neil Pionk announces he needs surgery for something, whether it's a hip or a sports hernia or whatever it is. I don't think there's any way to... Players just don't all of a sudden aren't able to skate the way they once were without there being a physical impediment. Nope. He's still a pretty young player, so that's no neither doubt. here nor there. Uh, but you know, Pionk was was battling today. I thought he was involved in the game, and actually, I actually liked his game. In a lot of ways. And I love Dylan DeMello's game, Sean. We've talked about him a lot. He's elevated his game offensively. Uh, Today I thought he and Morrissey were absolutely dynamite in a game where the Jets really needed them to uh, be really good. And I actually think Nate Schmidt was really involved in the game too. And one other thing I need to mention on the forward front, I I love the way Morgan Barron is playing. We talked about this the last game. The Jets need to find some more ice time for Morgan Barron. He needs some pump-up shifts where he jumps up, whether it's jumping up for Wheeler or if Nemesnikov goes up into Wheeler's spot and maybe Baron jumps up into the four, or the third line uh, the way he was on it before this this has happened, Dubois coming back. And I also love Dubois' game, Sean. I thought he was very impactful in the game. He's getting his legs going again. Uh, this is the kind of guy that when the games get tougher, he will be harder t- for opponents to handle. The Jets need Dubois to be an impact player on Saturday against the LA Kings because we know how well that Deneau and Kopitar played against the Jets in that win- game that was in Winnipeg, where Kopitar, I think, had four goals.
1: Uh, God, i got to say, I, you know what? I do miss i miss the uh Amazing. brady says here uh brady game over winnipeg says bring back to say something nice about the v- billy hanala segment i love that i thought that was a lot of fun when we were doing that it's oh, too hey. bad uh it's too bad he's gone because i thought that that segment was just taken off and then he got sent down and kind of killed the segment Got something to say, again? yeah just a
0: quick one on the Jets defense prospects i don't think i mentioned it maybe i did mention it after last game i don't think that i did uh Dave Manuk reporting that uh, it's a high ankle sprain for Declan Chisholm, uh, one of the Jets' best defense projects. That Prospects, not projects. Yeah. That's usually an eight, six- to eight-week injury. That will knock him out of the remainder of the regular season and probably at least the first round of the playoffs. That's a tough break for him. He's had an all-star season at the AHL level. This is a guy we both, Sean, expect him to be with the Jets in the NHL next year. He is no longer waiver-exempt. He's had a fantastic year. And that's a big blow for a guy who needed the develop, need, continues to need the development time. And they were really hoping for him to be in the playoff push and eating up valuable minutes for the Moose. And now they're going to have to go on a really lengthy run for him to get that playoff experience down the stretch here.
1: I'll tell you something, Ken. Uh, I, uh, well, before I tell you something... Uh, like I said, I'm always expecting, coming to the show expecting to make it a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Renny show. I just usually forget, but I didn't forget this time. So under the wire, let's make this a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Renny show. <laughs> All right, Ken, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think that uh, one of the tributes to that 2018 Jets team is that they were just so dominant heading into those playoffs there. And then it ended so suddenly. But I I think the majority of Jets fans felt like we were winning the cup. If we just didn't run into a hot goalie, we were winning the cup. And next year we're winning the cup. I think it was just such a dominant performance that year that it really has allowed people to kind of constantly look at the jets and just always have hope in them. And so this just reminds me of this issue. Boy, Bruce says guys are slowly getting back to form. It is happening just in time. Let's go. Like there's a lot of jets fans that just take a look at stuff like this and see a stretch of games. And that's all they need to see all they need to see is a little bit of hope and suddenly this team is a stanley cup contender all over again i'm going to say that the home field comment of the game counters this as we should add a little bit of balance in the other direction. So I'll say it. It's time to throw a spotlight on the comments and choose a standout for the home field, dig deeper award. It's going to be Craig Zamzow, And I say Craig Zamzow because he says Jets offense couldn't capitalize on a basement dweller, mediocre defense, and an unproven goalie. Again, will Jets ever score five goals again? Um, I will say this, uh, if you are sitting here and you are not a believer and you've listened to this show and we've talked about, you know, the getting goals the right way and limiting the offense of the other team and getting to uh, Rick Bonus's blueprint um, in the second period, let's all remind ourselves this was a bad team, a bad team by any metric with a backup goaltender coming into this game. And it was close, down to the wire here. So uh, before you start planning your... Uh Stanley Cup parade, uh, maybe take into consideration who they play. There's a good solution for this. I've said this. The L.A. Kings are legit. They've got a goalie now. They are absolutely legit. They are going to be a tough team to beat in the playoffs. There's a good chance, I think, that the Jets are going to play them in the first round of the playoffs. I would not be surprised to see them catch the Vegas Golden Knights the way that they're playing. It's possible. So we'll get a good look at that. But before we get a good look at that, we're getting a good look at a reason to maybe pump the brakes before you start planning the parade after the Jets dug out a third period victory over the lowly Anaheim Ducks. So thank you to Craig Zamzow for your winning comment and just like Craig Zamzow Homefield is always going to dig deeper to find the best marketing solution for your company. Find out how at my homefield Dot ca. And Craig, you know exactly what you need to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Send me your first name, which I know is Craig Zamzow, and send me an email, and I will send you a voucher for your Kenny and Rennie slash home field trunk shovel. It's a beauty. I know you live way out in western manitoba but i think you get in every once in a while we'll hold on to you uh hold on to one for you if that's what you need us to do so thank you for that thank you kenny great job we might even deliver it on a
0: golf trip we won't even deliver it out there this year we'll see
1: wow that is that's a bold bold
0: move bold move
1: family out in roblin i could uh i could take a trip out there maybe we'll meet him halfway how about that that would make sense compromise Uh, we'll see either way uh it is our last time uh, I'm going to put out the call. I'm going to say, we want this bad, ladies and gentlemen. We want to sell out the room on the 25th for the last Kenny and Rennie live show at Transcanner Brewing Company. Uh, only you can help us do that, and you can help us doing that by scanning this QR code uh, and purchasing tickets to go down to the Kenny and Rennie show this 25th, this Saturday. Kenny won't be there. He's down south. I'm there. It's going to be a big game against the LA Kings, you need to come check it out. We'd love to see you down there. And like I said, $25 for all-you-can-eat pizza and appies and your first beer on the night. It is a hell of a deal. You should take advantage of it and come down and see us and enjoy the game while you're down there. Ken, if you could put up the yep, – uh, there it is. Uh, if you can't scan the QR code, just copy this, uh, paste it, and uh, head on over there. Buy your tickets. I can't wait to see you all down there. It's going to be great. Let's make it four Thank for you, four, everybody. people. Thank you, Kenny. Uh, And I will say this before we shut this down. uh, I will say what I always say. Uh, If you appreciate the conversations happening in these spaces, please, please appreciate our sponsors who helped keep these conversations going in these spaces. For us, that's Vittorio Rossi, TransCanter Brewing Company. Johnson Group, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian, and Homefield. And I'll say it one last time, if you do appreciate these conversations, the best way to show us that you do is to support our sponsors. And the easiest way for you to do that right now is to come down and join us on the 25th. We'd love to see you down there. Thank you, everybody. The doors open at 2 o'clock on Saturday. We will see you down there. Uh, And other than that, we will talk to you all after a huge game. Against the Los Angeles Kings on Saturday, uh, or we'll talk to you earlier if you're down at the party yourself. I can't wait to see you down there. See you later, everybody. The Kenny and Rennie Show is brought to you
0: by Homefield, Cambrian Credit Union, Lou Ferlin, Trans Canada Brewing,
1: Vittorio Rossi, and Johnston Group.